68, and repeating the dose. If the attack is not relieved, the following is a very effectual remedy. Take 20 grains of quinine, combined with 1 dram of prussiate of iron, and divide it into 10 powders, and administer a powder every 3 hours until the pain is completely arrested. Temporary relief may be given by administering 1 quarter of a grain of morphine, or 10 to 20 drops of chloroform in a teaspoonful of glycerin, slightly diluted, taken in one dose. One of the most effective remedies for preventing a return of the attacks is that invigorating tonic and alterative. The golden medical discovery, the patient should be careful in diet, and not eat too much food, which should not only be of a nutritious kind, but easy of digestion, cleanliness, suitable clothing, bodily warmth, exercise, and rest must not be neglected. Sometimes it is lingering and requires long persistence in hygienic and medicinal treatment, everything tending to promote the tone of the digestive organs and improve the functions of the system generally may be considered advantageous in this neuralgic affection. Peritonitis, the peritoneum, or serous membrane which lines the abdominal cavity and invests the intestines, is liable to become inflamed. When this occurs, the affection is termed peritonitis, and may be divided into the acute and chronic forms. Acute peritonitis, this form may be circumscribed, that island confined to a one spot, or it may extend over the entire surface of the peritoneum. When it is known as general, symptoms, there is headache, quick pulse, tongue coated white, countenance pallid, features pinched, respiration difficult, nausea and vomiting, severe pain in the abdomen, which is extremely sensitive to pressure and becomes very much distended, there is also pain in the limbs, the bowels are constipated, and, in exceptional cases, diarrhea is a prominent symptom, the urine is deficient in quantity, and there is sleeplessness, chilliness and great general prostration. Vomiting and coughing or sneezing increase the pain. An erect position occasions intense suffering. The patient is compelled to assume a recumbent posture and is inclined to lie on the back. For in that position the sufferer experiences the least pressure of the vital organs against the peritoneum. There is also an inclination to draw up the lower limbs and retain them in a flexed position. Causes. Prominent among these are injuries which have been inflicted upon the intestines. Compression of the colon or rectum, perforation of the stomach or bowels, either by violence or some pre-existing disease, thus allowing the discharge of blood, urine, bile, or fecal matter into the abdominal cavity, also abortion, overexertion, and exposure to a wet or cold, as acute peritonitis is always a grave disease, involving more or less danger to a life, it is the wisest course to employ a physician and trust the case to his management. The same remark is equally applicable to the chronic form of the disease. Chronic peritonitis, like the acute, it may be either circumscribed or general. This form is sometimes, though rarely, a sequel of the acute. When it appears independently of the acute, it is generally associated with some cutaneous affection pertaining to the abdominal cavity, and the inflammation is induced by the tumor. If chronic peritonitis be connected with the tubercular diathesis, Tubercles may be discovered upon the surface of the stomach and alimentary canal, and may also be found in the lungs and brain. When the affection is not tubercular there will appear in the abdominal cavity an effusion of serous fluid of greater or less quantity, mingled with blood and pus. When such an effusion takes place, the abdomen gradually increases in size, or becomes smaller than is natural. There is pain, attended by soreness upon pressure, and the patient becomes emaciated. Inflammation of the peritoneum is frequently an accompaniment of puerperal fever. 
which is a disease peculiar to childbirth, and which may arise from cold, or be communicated from one parturient patient to another by midwives. Treatment. In the remedial management of acute peritonitis, it is obviously necessary to use some agent which will at once influence and change the congested state and inflammatory condition. One of the best agents employed to make a decided impression upon the vascular system, subdue inflammation, and modify its action, is the fluid extract of veritrum viride, administered in full doses, and repeated until the system shows its effects in a decided manner. Warm fomentations applied to the abdomen are sometimes very serviceable, and are objectionable only because of their liability to dampen the bedclothes. When the abdomen will bear a thick, warm poultice, apply it, and then cover the entire surface with oiled silk. The tincture of opium, in doses sufficient to relieve pain and quiet the peristaltic action of the intestines, is generally necessary. Epidemic cholera, this is an epidemic disease supposed to be due to an impalpable specific poison, but as to the exact nature of this poisonous matter nothing definite is known. This plague first made its appearance on our continent in 1834, owing to its great fatality. It is a disease much to be dreaded. Symptoms. These are well defined. It is characterized in its earlier stages by pain in the stomach and bowels, especially in the umbilical region. Nausea. Vomiting. Diarrhea. Later. The purging is excessive and the matter dejected resembles rice water, and contains white, solid, curd-like matter. The patient loses strength, and sinks rapidly. The secretory organs fail to perform their functions normally. The skin is sometimes moist, but oftener cold and dry, but little if any bile is found in the excretions, and the urine voided is very scanty. There is general nervous derangement, as indicated by the spasmodic contraction or cramping of the muscles. This first attacks the extremities but soon affects the entire body, and gives rise to excruciating pains. The head is affected by singing, roaring, disagreeable noises in the ears. The pulse is feeble, but quick. The nails are of a bluish color. The tongue is coated white. The eyes are sunken, and the patient has a corpse-like appearance. The temperature of the body rapidly falls. The surface becomes deathly cold, and, unless the disease is promptly arrested in its course, speedy dissolution follows. The disease is rarely prolonged beyond 24 hours, and sometimes terminates within 3 or 4 hours after its first attack. Treatment. The kind of medicine required depends upon the severity of the attack and stage of the disease. In all cholera epidemics, there are premonitory symptoms, such as an uneasy sensation at the pit of the stomach, and a rumbling of the bowels. This is apt to be followed by a painless diarrhea, which occasions no alarm, and the patient pays but little attention to it. Herein is the great and dangerous mistake. The patient is already in the stage of invasion, which must be promptly arrested, or he will suddenly be precipitated into the stage of collapse. The patient should lie down, and have placed about him bottles filled with hot water, thereby exciting warmth upon the surface of the body. At the same time, administer two teaspoonfuls of the extract of smart weed. If the symptoms are urgent, repeat the dose every 15 minutes. Brandy, thickened with sugar may also be given, in either the stage of invasion or collapse. The leading indication is to establish reaction by promoting perspiration. Bathe the feet in water as hot as can be borne. Give the extract of swart wheat freely, and thus endeavor to excite profuse diathoresis. No time should be lost, for delays are dangerous. When the reaction is established, the patient should remain quiet, and not attempt to exert himself. After reaction has taken place, 
the sweating should be maintained for 12 hours, and the patient should drink slippery elm tea and toast water, and partake sparingly of soft toasted bread and chicken broth. The food should be fluid and nutritious, but taken in small quantities. Do not disturb the bowels with laxatives until the third day after the patient begins to improve, and then they may be moved by an injection of warm water. Great care should be taken that the patient does not indulge too soon or too freely in the use of food, when a skillful physician can be had. No time should be lost in securing his services, but since in epidemics of this nature, medical men are generally overworked, and not always easily and promptly to be had. We have been quite explicit in giving full directions for treatment. Cholera MORBUS, also known as sporadic cholera and simple cholera, usually occurs during the summer months. The attack may be sudden, although it is usually preceded by a sensation of uneasiness and colicky pains in the stomach. Symptoms. Nausea. Vomiting and purging are the most prominent symptoms. The discharge from the bowels is at first of a thin, yellow appearance, but finally it becomes almost colorless. Sometimes, after the contents proper of the bowels have been evacuated, the dejections have a bilious appearance. Severe cramps and pain accompany the vomiting. The vomiting and purging usually occur in paroxysms, but finally become less frequent. A reaction takes place. The extremities grow warm, and the patient gradually recovers. It may be accompanied by intense thirst and a quick pulse, yet the surface may be cool. Causes. Cholera morbus is most prevalent in warm climates and especially in malarial districts. It is generally the result of eating indigestible articles of food, such as unripe fruit or uncooked vegetables, stimulating drinks, or those articles which furnish the elements for fermentation, also favor the production of this disease. Treatment. If the attack be superinduct by eating unripe or stale fruit, it may be proper to give an emetic or a cathartic, but ordinarily first give a full dose of the extract of smart weed, and, if the vomited matter is very sour, Give the patient a weak, alkaline drink, which may be made by dropping a few live, hardwood coals into a tumbler of water. This will not only assist in neutralizing the acidity of the stomach, but will help to allay the thirst and accompanying fever. If the patient throw up the first dose of the extract of smart weed, a second should be given. Do not allow the patient to drink cold water, and give only tablespoonful doses of the alkaline solution every 30 minutes. If the thirst is great, Occasionally give a tablespoonful of a tea made from scorched Indian meal, which not only allays the desire to drink, but also the irritation of the stomach. If to be obtained, give a tea of the leaves or bark of the peach tree. The patient should be well covered in bed and kept warm. Lognum by the stomach, or by enema, may be necessary in severe cases to relieve the pain and check the purging. Hog fomentations applied to the bowels are very valuable. A mustard plaster applied over the abdomen will assist materially in relieving the nausea and vomiting. It should not be left on sufficiently long to blister. When the affection is promptly treated as we have suggested, the patient generally quickly recovers. If, however, it does not yield to these measures, the family physician should be called in accidents and emergencies. Accidents and emergencies which require immediate attention frequently occur. Professional aid cannot always be quickly obtained and hence fatal results often follow. It island therefore, important that all persons should not only know how to proceed under such circumstances, but that they should be able to exercise that deliberation and self-control so necessary in emergencies of all kinds. Most persons are more or less affected by the sight of blood or severe wounds, and it requires an effort to maintain self-possession. 
one should act resolutely, otherwise he will find himself overcome and unable to render any assistance. Wounds. Wounds may be classified as incised, punctured, contused, lacerated, or poisoned. Incised wounds are those which are made with a sharp, cutting instrument, and are characterized by their extent of surface. Punctured wounds are made with a blunt instrument, and distinguished for their depth rather than breadth. Contused wounds are those produced by bruises. Lacerated wounds are those in which the flesh is torn and mangled. Poisoned wounds are made with a poisoned instrument, or by some poisonous reptile or insect or rabid animal. In all cases of wounds, the immediate danger is in the shock produced upon the nervous system, and in the liability to hemorrhage. Shock, if severe, the shock is attended with symptoms of extreme prostration, such as a feeble pulse, shivering, partial unconsciousness, fainting, hiccough, vomiting, and involuntary discharges of the urine and feces. Treatment of shock. The clothing should be loosened immediately after the accident, so that the blood may have free circulation, and the patient should be kept in a recumbent position. He should have plenty of fresh air. Camphor or ammonia may be inhaled, if he can swallow. Stimulants may be given, as whiskey or brandy, but with care that they do not run into the trachea, or windpipe. If he be unable to swallow, they may be administered as injections, but should gradually be discontinued as reaction takes place. A warm pillow placed at the back and the use of electricity may be beneficial. Hemorrhage, or bleeding, may generally be controlled by a compress, tourniquet, flexion of the joint, or styptics. A compress consists of several folds of cloth laid upon a wound, the edges of which have been brought together, and made secure by a moderately tight bandage. A tourniquet may be extemporized by rolling a handkerchief into a cord and tying it around the limb, over a compress, between the wound and the heart. A stick should then be thrust between the handkerchief and skin and twisted around several times, until the pressure is sufficiently great to arrest the circulation of the blood in the wounded part. A representation of this operation may be seen in Figure 1. Flexion of the joint, as represented in Figures 2, 3, and 4, is adapted to many cases of hemorrhage as water cannot flow through a rubber tube bent at a sharp angle, so the acute flexion of a limb prevents the free flow of blood through the arterial tubes. In some cases, styptics may be directly applied to the wounded tissues. Cold acts as a powerful styptic, and may generally be made available for arresting hemorrhage, poison wounds. The treatment of these should chiefly consist in the prevention of the spread of the poison. This may be done by tightly applying bandages above the wound and scarifying or sucking the parts. Nitrate of silver may then be used and the ligatures removed. Alcohol, in any form, is an antidote to snake poison. For the stings of insects, apply aqua ammonia, fresh earth, raw onion, plantain, or spirits of turpentine. Fractures and dislocations. The treatment of injuries received from the fracture of bones and the dislocation of joints should never be attempted by the inexperienced. Nor should the management be left to incompetent physicians but skillful surgical aid should at once be summoned. Sprains. A sprain consists of a sudden and forcible stretching of the ligaments and tendons connected with a joint, without there being any dislocation. It is attended with severe pain and is followed by rapid swelling. The treatment should consist of measures to prevent inflammation, promote absorption, and restore a healthy action. The affected part should be kept at rest in an elevated position and hot or cold water applied frequently. If there is much inflammation, fomentations of hops may be used. The compound extract of smart wheat is an excellent application. When the acute symptoms have disappeared, 
Absorption should be favored by systematic rubbing and the application of stimulating liniments, or by the use of a well-adjusted bandage. Passive motion may be resorted to gradually and the subject may use the joint moderately. Should any stiffness remain, warm salt water douches should be employed and the extract of smart weed applied once a day. Bruises, bruises or contusions are caused by falls, wrenches, or blows from blunt instruments. Without breaking the skin, the soft tissues are lacerated and blood is poured out into them, constituting echinoses. The discoloration passes through various shades from a bluish black to a violet, a green, and finally, a yellow. If the bruise is severe, the affected part should be kept at rest and frequently bathed with the compound extract of smart weed or the tincture of arnica. If inflammatory symptoms supervene, fomentations and poultices should be applied, for in bodies in the nose, for in bodies, such as beads, peas, coffee grains, and small gravel stones are occasionally introduced into the nostrils of children, becoming fastened there, and causing great anxiety and alarm, if allowed to remain, they generally cause inflammation and suffering. Such bodies may generally be washed out by gently injecting a stream of tepid salt water with a syringe or drive pierces nasal douche. In no case should force be used, if these means fail, a competent surgeon should be consulted, for in bodies in the throat and air passages, for in bodies are generally arrested so high up that they may be seen by simply depressing the tongue, and removed with the finger or a pair of forceps. The head should be thrown back in such a position as to cause the chin to project as little as possible beyond the prominence known as Adam's apple, in order that the finger or forceps may be readily introduced and the body released and ejected, when the foreign bodies are so small as to pass out of sight in the larynx, windpipe, or esophagus, it is generally difficult to extract them, and the services of a surgeon are required, fortunately, however, there is not much immediate danger from suffocation in such cases. Drowning. Recovery from drowning sometimes occurs when life is apparently extinct. The treatment, however, should be immediate and energetic, and should be given in the open air, unless the weather be too cold. Treatment. The patient should be gently placed upon the face with his wrists under his forehead. The tongue will then fall forward and the water run out of his mouth and throat, while the windpipe, or air passage, will be free. To restore respiration, he should be instantly turned upon his right side, his nostrils excited with snuff or ammonia, and cold water dashed upon his face and chest. If this operation prove unsuccessful, replace the patient upon his face, care being taken to raise and support his chest. Turn the body gently on the side and quickly again upon the face. Alternate these movements about every four seconds, and occasionally change sides, when the body is turned on the face. Gentle but efficient pressure should be made along the back, between the shoulder blades, to assist in forcing the air out of the lungs, but this pressure ought to be removed before the patient is turned back on his side. Persistently repeat this operation, and success will often be the reward. As soon as respiration is established, warmth may be promoted by the application of warm flannels to the body and bottles of hot water to the stomach, armpits, thighs, and feet. During the entire process of restoration, the body should be thoroughly rubbed upwards, turning the body upon the back or handling it roughly should be avoided, the person should not be held up by his feet, or be rubbed with salt or spirits, rolling the body on a cask is improper, and injections of the smoke infusion of tobacco are injurious, avoid the constant application of the warm bath, and do not allow a crowd to surround the body, fainting, when a person faints, 
he should be allowed to remain or be placed in a recumbent posture, and his clothing immediately loosened, the extremities should be rubbed, the patient permitted to have plenty of fresh air, and, if at hand, ammonia or camphor should be applied to the nostrils, burns and scalds, the danger arising from burns and scalds depends not only upon the extent of surface involved, but also upon the depth of the injury, burns are most dangerous when occurring upon the head, chest, or abdomen, treatment, soothing applications, and those which will exclude the air, should be made, great potato, poultices of slippery elm, sweet oil, cotton saturated in a mixture composed of two or three grains of carbolic acid and two ounces of glycerin, and linseed oil and white lead, are all beneficial for the treatment of burns, if internal treatment be necessary, it should be given under the direction of a competent physician, sunstroke, in cases of sunstroke, the patient should be at once removed into the shade, if the face is flushed, apply cold water to the head and neck, and mustard to the feet, the body should be bathed in tepid water and the head slightly elevated, if the countenance is pale, the symptoms denote exhaustion, and the patient should be kept in a recumbent position, the extremities rubbed, camphor and ammonia inhaled, mustard applied to the spine, and stimulants, such as brandy or whiskey, should be administered, poisons and their antidotes, poisons, antidotes, acids, acetic acid, alkalis carbonate of soda and potash also citric acid, lime and magnesia are antidotes to these muriatic acid, poisons, as soon as the acid is neutralized, tartaric acid, mucilaginous teas, such as flaxseed, gum arabic, or slippery elm, may be given, sulfuric acid soap, in solution, or magnesia will counteract oil of vitriol, its influence, Water should not be given as it causes great heat when mixed with this acid. Nitric acid lime water, carbonates of lime and magnesia aqua fortis, in solution, are the only antidotes. Give oxalic acid, mucilaginous drinks, carbolic acid, there is no special antidote. Oil, glycerin, milk, flour and water, white of eggs, magnesia, and flaxseed tea may be used. Prussic acid, ammonia, by inhalation or in solution. May laurel water, be used, apply a cold douche to the head, oil of bitter almonds, these agents are spatally fatal, alkalis, liquor of ammonia, vegetable acids, such as vinegar, lemon juice, water of ammonia, citric and tartaric acids, neutralize this muriate of ammonia, poison, liquor of potassa, all the fixed oils, such as linseed, castor nitrate of potassa and sweet oil, also almonds and melted lard saltpetre. Destroy the caustic effects of these poisons. Carbonate of potassium mucilaginous drinks may be given. Perlash. Salts of tartar. Poisons. Antidotes. Iodine. Starch. Wheat flour mixed with water. In its whites of eggs. Milk. And mucilaginous different forms. Drinks are excellent antidotes. Volatile oils and agents. The same antidotes as in case of poisoning. Creosote with iodine may be used in this. Or the oil of smoke. Stomach may be evacuated with an emetic or oil of tar. Stomach pump, oil of turpentine. A powerful emetic of white vitriol or mustard should be given at once. Cold should be alcohol, applied to the head, and the extremities vigorously rubbed. Antimony and its compounds. If vomiting has not occurred, induce it by tickling the throat and giving large draughts tartar emetic of warm water, after which administer butter of antimony astringents, such as infusions of calls, oak bark oxide of antimony, Peruvian bark, or strong green tea, arsenic and its compounds, white arsenic, 
oils, or fats lard, melted butter, or milk yellow sulfate of should be given, then induce vomiting with arsenic sulfate of zinc, sulfate of copper or red sulfate of mustard, fine powdered iron rust or magnesia arsenic may be given every 5 or 10 minutes, king's yellow, mucilaginous drinks should be given as soon fly powder, as the stomach is evacuated, arsenical paste, arsenical soap, shales green, Paris green, copper and its compounds, avoid the use of vinegar, give albuminous substances, such as milk, whites of eggs, wheat bloom vitriol flour in water, or magnesia, yellow prussiate verdigris, of potash in solution may also be given freely, poisons antidotes, lead and its compounds, in lead, or painters colic purgatives and anodynes may be given, together acetate of lead with large doses of iodide of sugar of lead potassium, white lead, red lead, lethargy, mercury and its compounds, albumin in some form should be given, if the poison is not corrosive sublimate, absorbed, follow with a mustard white precipitate, or lobelia emetic, red precipitate, calomel, acroamarcodices, the general treatment indicated for ergot this class of poisons, is to black hellebore, evacuate the stomach with a veritrumviride stomach pump or an emetic composed American hellebore, of 15 or 20 grains of aconite, sulfate of zinc or copper, or large foxcliff, doses of mustard, repeated every dosaminum, quarter of an hour until the full effect is produced, belladonna, morphine, sassafras, iodine, and stramonium, stimulants, nuts vomica, large doses of camphor, chloroform, strychnia, and tobacco, may all be beneficial, poison oak, muriate of ammonia, in solution, may poison vine, be applied externally, and from 10 to 15 grains given internally, soda is also full, narcotics white henbane, sassafras may be used as an antidote opium, for henbane, belladonna is an antidote of opium, cold water should also be applied to the head of the patient, and the extremities should be well rubbed, animal poisons, excite vomiting by drinking sweet oil, sugar and water, milk, or Spanish fly, linseed tea in large quantities, and potato fly, emollient injections are valuable, posterior spinal curvature, humpback, posterior curvature of the spine, sometimes known as Pott's disease, occurs most frequently in children, and is generally developed before the seventh year, children of a scrofulous diathesis are especially liable to this affection, it is generally due to disease of the intervertebral cartilages and bodies of the vertebrae, it comes on in a slow, insidious manner, hence, it often makes serious inroads upon the spine and system before its character is even suspected, illustration, figure 1, the above portion of the spinal column shows the manner of the breaking down of the vertebrae from caries, and the absorption of their bony structure, generally the first point of invasion is the cartilaginous substances between the bodies of the vertebrae, beginning with inflammation, and finally resulting in ulceration and a breaking down of the cartilages, it next invades the vertebrae themselves, and producing caries, or death and decay of the bony substance, which softens and wastes away, as shown in figure 1, the vertebrae become softened and broken down, and weight of the body pressing them together produces the deformity known as, humpback, see figure 2 and figure 3, symptoms, among the various symptoms present in the earlier stages of the disease, and during its progress, we deem it necessary,